It's time for the first ever Ooh. Cinemaholics bonus episode. So, so, He's so. never done this before. This is so exciting and new. Yes. We've talked about it. We, we, on the chat, we've been like, oh, maybe we could do like a bonus episode where we just talk about one thing for like half an hour. John, you just released private sensitive information. They can't know about the they chat. They want some inside baseball. Look, if you're going to listen to the bonus episode, you get a couple of treats. Ooh. And your guys' treat is that we have a chat between the three of us. Right. That's we it. have We have a chat. That's your so Easter egg. This is how we communicate. Yeah. Well, what, do you think that we called each other with like phones? Like... <laughs> With, yeah. What is this? Like, Go ahead, Internet. Form your theories now. What goes I, on in the I chat? I Snapchat Maverick <gasps> every day. That would be a lot harder to do business with. It's like, hey, the sound for this latest podcast is really bad, and then my mouth just opens up like a Pop-Tart. I like that. Or that, a rainbow that's like falls the latest. Out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of like the Wildberry instead of the rainbow. So you went to Pop-Tart? I went to Pop-Tart. That says a lot about well, you, Well, because John. the Pop-Tart is kind of has like the personality of Snapchat, right? Those ads... I think Snapchat's Crazy relevant. good. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I guess if those I mean, are you Pop referring to Snapchat should do a thing. I don't see that going well, um, because I'm think I'm pretty sure the ad you're referring to was from like '97. They're still running those same I ads. Swear, I, every time I see a Pop Tart ad, that's crazy. I'm like, man, they just they're just going to that well. And it's John, like, I want you to honestly answer this question for me right now. When's the last time you truly saw a Pop Tart commercial? <sighs> um. I want to say it was like a couple of months ago. It was the last time I was watching cable. YouTube does not count. No, because I have the DirecTV Now thing. <gasps> right? Plug? Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> no, but DirecTV Now, it's cool because you watch like cable, but it's streaming. Also not a sponsor. And they're, you know, you pay for commercials, so that's fun. But yeah, you see, you know, I think I was watching Disney XD or something like that. So we've discovered so far in the bonus episode, there's a chat, John... Strictly watches 90s commercials on DirecTV Now. <laughs> DirecTV Now is not a sponsor, so we've learned that so far. Also, Dis- uh, John in his free time is watching Disney XD. Disney XD. Well, Star Wars Rebels, man. Well, you wouldn't watch a Star Wars TV show? Like, there's I mean, so many things to show you. What is this episode about? This episode is about the Belko Experiment. Uh, sadly, Will Ashton isn't able to join us because he did watch Belko Experiment, and he said he thought it was really weird. And that's like the extent of how he's going to... Well, what happened is he didn't reply fast enough in the chat. That's right. The exclusive chat. The exclusive Where we strictly talk about our favorite flavors of Pop-Tarts. Full circle. Let's go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Will can't join us, unfortunately, because he's been having audio issues. You might have noticed in last week's episode, we had issues like his sound was coming through. It wasn't sounding quite right. So Nothing of his fault. It's just some techno stuff we're going through, but... Which is weird. I usually blame things on Will, but now they're telling me I can't. Yeah. I've got your back, Will, when you're listening to the this. The sound master has your back, yeah. so that's how you know everything's... They only let me out of the broadband basement to fix problems. But it's okay, because you saw Belko Experiment. I did. I saw Belko Experiment. Same theater, different seats. One of our emailers saw Belko Experiment. <gasps> he actually emailed us. This is Alex. Alex. Alex was like, hey guys, I feel betrayed. You said you were going to watch Belko Experiment and talk about it. Oh, you no. did not talk about it. I don't even know if you watched it. So this is a gift for Alex. That we sort of planned anyway, but still, like he should feel like no, he's yeah. Let's him. give him some credit. This is like just for him, he deserves this. He, all of you internet people, need to thank Alex. Yeah, because he brought this to light. Um, you probably think, oh, we don't read your emails. Yeah, 
And that's partly true. Well, it's, we it's, skim them. It's true because John doesn't show us them. That doesn't get to the chat. It's I just pop tart flavor. the emails. I don't think I've shown you a lot oh, of emails. So that's, that's, I have to cross the basement line to well, get to that. Well, because you're not on Snapchat when I send those emails. I'm definitely on Snapchat. You're sending emails over Snapchat? I never use Snapchat. John is disclosing <laughs> private the... information over Snapchat. Uh, okay. So Belko Experiment is the latest film written by James Gunn, who mm. directed... Probably my favorite Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's directing the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which comes out uh, this May. I believe it's May. Yeah, I'm a classic cinemaholic, right? I can't yeah. get dates right. But uh, yeah, so you're a big fan of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, yeah, like you, I think you hinted to this in the last episode we did, but I hadn't seen it until I think just a couple months ago when you were like, wait, you haven't seen this? And we right. watched it. Yeah, fortunately I, I owned it. We didn't have to watch it on DirecTV now and watch all those commercials. <laughs> not a sponsor. Was um, yeah, no, it was, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm not, um, no, I am. I, I like the superhero movies, stuff like that. I'm really into the whole Marvel universe and everything, but I just, I guess I didn't connect that they were a part of that. I don't know. Well, I just, you, they barely are. The yeah. story is so independent. Yeah. I just missed all that. So I just wasn't interested. But like when you showed it to me, it blew, I'm, I'm loving it. Now I'm you're a, a fan. Yeah. Well, Belko experiment was written by James Gunn. It wasn't directed by him. It was actually directed by Greg McLean, who's more famous for like these really schlocky horror films, which is why I was into Belko experiment. The minute I saw the trailer, mm-hmm. Belko experiment is a B movie as B movies go. Right. And the entire premise is a bunch of office workers. It's Battle Royale meets Office Space is what the trailers were saying. That's 100% accurate. Yeah, pretty. Uh, instead of a school, it's in an office building. And it's a bunch of office workers who are forced to kill each other to survive through uh, an, kind of like this intercom system that turns on. And they, they find out that there's a little tracker in their brains that uh, will explode if they, do, if they break the rules, basically. I don't remember you saying spoiler alert. That's not a spoiler. That's in the trailer. So is it in, in the trailer? trailer I didn't watch the trailer, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not a spoiler. You, okay. Yeah, you see this in the trailers and everything like that. We're not going to spoil anything else, uh, for now. I think we'll eventually d- get into spoilers. But for now, this is our spoiler-free impression of Belko Experiment. So if you haven't seen it, we're going to talk about it a little bit, generally speaking. And we'll then try not we're to give too much spoilers. Away. Yeah. Now I remember when this movie ended. Soundmaster Maverick Hines, you were not pleased. I was pleased. I had a great time with this movie. Well, how, how are you feeling about it so, a, a while later? So, yeah, I think when the movie first ended, I was a little bit more dissatisfied than I am now. I've had time to sleep on it and think about it and talk about it. And I, and I enjoy it. About it. Yeah, I prayed. You know, it was very intense. I, uh, I, I, I appreciate it a lot more now. I think when the movie first ended, my initial, like, impression was like, this is like a C minus. Like, I do not like this. Your exact words were... That was pretty bad, right? I think I but said that. You weren't that. sure of it. Yeah, like I, I was, I was just so confused. And and here's why. My my biggest thing, for those of you who don't know, Soundmaster Mav, I I've, I'm a musician. I love music. It's very important to me. One of the first things I always listen to in a movie is the score and the music. And you're the sound master. I am the sound master. But no, I I think for me, um, what initially threw me off was that um. I personally felt that the music choices, not the original compositions, the original compositions I think were fantastic, mm-hmm, but the 100%. song choices that were put in the uh, in the movie themselves were at times distracting for me. It, it, it really took away from serious moments, like the first big climax of the movie when everything's starting to go haywire. They have like this kind of opera style song, which I got why that was there. Like I get the vibe they were trying to go for, but for me it was such a like 
It's just, similar to what they had in the trailer, by the way, which I loved. Yeah. Because I'm the opposite on this. Yeah. So, and, and John disagrees with me. Big surprise there. But um, for me, it was just... I, and I and again, I, I got what they were doing. I understood like they were trying to create this kind of cool moment. But I just felt like this the specific one they chose was just so distracting for me as a musician that it took away from the moment for me. I understood what was going on. I liked what was happening. But like I was focused on that song. And I was just like, why is this... Ha-? Like, this is really discomforting for me at the moment. I mean, there was literal elevator music. Yeah. yeah. Because they were in elevators. <laughs> yeah. A majority um, of this movie, not majority. And then there was a couple times later in the movie where, again, they chose um, not a, not an original composed song. Tyler Bates did a fantastic job composing some of the original parts in this. I thought it was great. He worked, of course, on Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Yeah, so. You know, great soundtrack. One of my favorite soundtracks of the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler Bates is, is a very talented dude, and I really appreciated the original stuff. But even later in the movie, there was a couple times where they threw in a, uh, a not original song for Tyler Bates, and it was just... I think there were three solid times in the movie where I was like, why is this song here? Like, I can't even focus on the intensity of this movie right now because the song is so outlandishly different than what's going on. See, my only pushback against that is because the song choices make sense within the context of the story. There was never, like, there was always a reason why a certain song was being used. So the way you're talking about it, I think some listeners might be like, oh, did they just start playing, like, Pitbull in the middle? Like, there's no reason for it? Okay, I guess I should explain more. For me, it was, like, Strictly just the way the songs sounded. The the lyrics made sense. Okay. Yeah. Again, and like it's I said like before, the, it's not like the story. Like all of a sudden, like a song came on for no reason. Like yeah. there were songs that came on for certain reasons, but you don't like the choice of the song. Exactly. I, I and I I have to exp- reiterate. I understood why those songs were chosen, but it still even knowing that and even understanding why those lyrics were there and everything like that did not take away from the distraction for me. And I think it was just because the the actual sound of the songs was just it just didn't fit the moment for me i disagree just because i really liked the style of the songs we'll probably talk about it a little bit more in spoilers i mean one thing about it that isn't a spoiler is that the movie takes place in colombia um so these are american workers for the most part Mm -hmm. i mean half of them probably well the ones we see yeah i mean yeah the highlighted perspectives are you know people who work in colombia but are technically americans and the songs are Colombian songs that you're talking about, and they have like a very specific Latin energy to them, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you're addressing here. Now, we won't go any further, I think, because it'll start to spoil a little bit of like what those plot moments are, and we yeah. don't want to talk about that yet. And I will say, uh, the three times I was distracted, I think only one of them was one of the Latin-influenced songs. The other two were not Latin-influenced. And so I, I c- wish I could remember which ones you're talking about. And I can't remember the I specific songs, but... And, th- and that's, again, why it threw me off, because the Latin songs made more sense. It's like, this is the context, and this fits. But, like, the non-Latin-influenced songs, lyrically, it was mm-hmm. just like, why is this here? This just doesn't belong here for me. Okay, well, But maybe, that's enough. Okay. And, again, I that's have to stress, the, that's what Tyler, have to Bates, the music. Tyler Bates did fantastic. No hate on Tyler Bates. Well, there's more to this movie than the music, uh, which is, I think, a hard sentence for you to hear. Yeah, that hurts. Uh, so, but that's fine. I, I, you, you are a very auditory person. Absolutely. I think that... I trust your judgment when it comes to uh, how you, you know, how good a movie is in terms of how you experience it. Experience it through the sound mixing. I also had problems with certain sound in the movie. I think the voices were terribly muffled. Mm. I had a hard time understanding a lot of the dialogue, and yeah. I, I already have like pretty bad hearing. No, I agree with you. So like, and and I I thought it was just me for a while, but I could tell like some of the other people in the screening were having a hard time like. Like, I saw other people, like, adjusting their ears, which is something only I usually do. Yeah, John's usually alone in that. So he yeah. felt, he kind of felt at home in the theater, I kind of liked it, yeah. yeah it, it was, was very, good. it was uniting. <laughs> uh, 
But let's talk about some. Let's talk about how the movie delivers in terms of its story and its characters. Story yeah. and character. That for me is always the number one thing. Uh, if a movie has really good characters, I can give it a lot of slack. Uh, if I really liked the characters, if I like the plot and the originality, uh, and that's the thing I think Belko Experiment has the most going for it is its originality through plot. Yeah. Now you could look at this and be like, well, is it really that original? This feels like Hunger Games and Battle Royale. In in a way, that's true. And I think, but I think that there aren't that many movies that take that approach and mm-hmm. do it this well. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, like, I'm great. I want to see another Battle Royale. I want to see it kind of mashed up with Office Space because that's a fun idea, and I think it's a fun exploration. Yeah. And if you watch the trailer and you get that vibe of, like, you want to see this type of movie, it intrigues you, it's going to deliver in that way. And that's kind of why, to me, it's a solid B movie. Like, it's schlocky, cheesy, gory, disgusting, violent, And the gore was done well. But that's why I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I was like, wow, this is, like, Walking Dead good. In terms mm. of like the makeup and the effects and things sure, like that, for sure, for sure. But yeah, so let's let's walk through uh, who's in this movie. So, uh, we mentioned Greg McLean is the director, uh, and we mentioned that James Gunn writes it. James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, is in this movie. But the main the main characters, uh, there's really four I think worthy of, worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gallagher Jr., who was terrific in last year's Ten Cloverfield Lane, mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of 2016. He is one of the main characters, one of the key protagonists. He plays Mike Milch, who is basically a white liberal guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bleeding. He's a bleeding heart liberal who his sense of moral authority of like, we can't kill anybody. He's that character. Yeah. yeah. At any cost, we will not kill people no matter how logical and situational the ethics are for that. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough sell to be the guy who's like, all life is sacred in a moment where everyone's dying. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he, and he stuck to it too. So I appreciated yeah. that character. What I liked about that character was like, he had the zeal of a bleeding heart liberal, but he also had the like staunch ideology of like a pro-life advocate. <laughs> so like, it was a really, that's what made him kind of interesting to yeah. me. Cause like he was consistent and his ideology, it had both of those like, it made him more sympathetic, I think, because he felt like a real person, because a real person is like that. And he was smart, too, which was good. He, he had was good very ideas. Smart, he was very ingenuitive. Hyper-competent. Yeah. Uh, that's always good. You want you want at least one key protagonist to be hyper-competent. We had yeah. some really competent characters in here. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the other ones, the main, uh, probably his, his love interest, I should mention, mm-hmm. uh, is, I think, what was her name in the movie? Because there are a couple of actresses in here, and I don't want to get it wrong. But I, b- I believe it was Leandra. Leandra? Yeah. Yeah. Played by Adria Arhana. She was pretty great in this movie. Uh, she had some really good like action scenes. Yeah. And uh, she had one, I think out. she had one of the best in the movie. As oh, far probably. As, yeah. yeah. As far as she has like scenes. a key moment. And yeah. And then there, of course, is Barry Norris plays uh, the CEO or COO, I think, actually. COO, yes. Is it COO? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony. And Tony is the guy who's kind of really questioning... You know, he's trying to lead, but he's also – he's one of the first to question, like, should we start just killing people? Like, how do we do this? He's not necessarily an antagonist, but, like, if you want to just start with, like, the first act, uh, you, you can start to see, like, which – there's a battle of two sides, mm-hmm. right? Uh, their instructions are – and I guess we didn't explain this premise super well <laughs> already. But they, they basically are told that they'll die unless they murder uh, a bunch of other, a bunch of their coworkers. Yeah, every section is a fixed number. So the first ones, if you don't kill two people, yeah. will kill. I don't think they specifically say how many that time. And then the next times, you know, a bigger number and the results bigger, and it kind of yeah, two goes. of your fellow coworkers. And so obviously, like a lot of this movie, like the first half is spent debating those initial demands. Things kind of spiral out of control from there. Take your best guess how that goes. 
And uh, there's one more character, the psycho character, Wendell, uh, played by John C. McGinley. He's kind of this super caricature, like he hits on Leandra and is all around creepy dude. And you kind of get the feeling that if anyone's going to crack, it's him. Mm -hmm. And I think he takes an interesting turn as a character for this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. um, Barry and Wendell, those characters are the first two to kind of... You start that. That's when you really start to see the sides forming because uh, Barry, the character, he definitely takes charge of the certain group of people, and he's kind of making the shots, and the the bleeding hearts on the other end are kind of right. like you know going against him a little bit, and that does not go well for anybody. <laughs> um, I loved I loved John's performance, John McKinley's. I thought he did great. I mean, it's Doctor Cox in yeah, how you, I always imagined him eventually acting in Sacred Heart. <laughs> well, uh, I was just gonna say I don't know if our, if our listeners watch a lot of Scrubs, but uh, when he loses a bunch of patients, patients and ends up at home for a few weeks in Scrubs, I just kind of imagine if he never came back to work and went to the army instead and just got a government job down the road. This is pretty much what he ended up. Yeah, like. yeah, exactly. So yeah, it just in basic terms of like how this movie is paced, uh, how the action scenes go. That was that was my deal with like the how they deal with like the moral repercussions and the like existentialism. Yeah, I dug. Totally. I was going to say that was probably my biggest like thumbs up to this movie was I thought the pacing was fantastic. Yeah. I was going in really worried that we were going to watch, you know, 50 minutes of like, should we do it? No. And then like killing would start. But I'd say it hits it pretty quick. It does. It does. And uh, so I think that's a good point then to transition into spoilers. So yeah, let's do it. Uh, so our general impression was I gave the movie a solid B. What about you? My first was a C minus. I'm up to. Let's say B minus. B minus is pretty good. I yeah. think that a lot of people are rating this movie in that range between mm-hmm. C plus, B level. And I think that's really fair. And if, for those of you wondering, like the grading system, uh, anything in B territory means that you're probably going to like it. Uh, you might not love it, but if you like this type of movie, if the trailer intrigues you, you're probably going to have a good time. And so it's a soft recommend. Even even in my discomfort with some of the music at times and stuff like that, I was never not entertained. Sure. I enjoyed the movie from start to finish. Some of the frustration could actually be that you wished it could be even better. Yeah. I think so. For sure. Some people might. I think, I think some people think that the movie squanders its good premise, but uh, that's debatable, I think. All right, so let's get into spoilers. If you are listening and you don't want to get spoiled on the Bucklow Experiment, we're going to get full into this discussion. Uh, it's it's never going to end. Uh, don't worry. The pop tart the pop tart talk is over, so you don't have to stay tuned for that. Mm, ironic um, twist by bringing it up to say it's over. Yeah, I, I we just lost like everybody. Yeah, probably. there it is. All right, so like I mentioned before, the thing I like about this movie the most is how it grapples. With the existentialism of it all. Mm-hmm. The good, evil, right, wrong. Watching these characters slowly become monsters. I love that. And I love the the crisis, you know, the internal crisis of each character and then how it dem- how it becomes external in their actions. I think this movie does a great job of that. But it, it's still a B movie to me because I think that they did squander a couple things here and there like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, it's... It is a home run necessarily, but I uh, had such a good time just sitting with this movie. I'm still thinking about it uh, a while after seeing it. I don't know how you feel, though. And I, I agree. Um, I loved watching certain characters kind of make this switch. Um, I'm looking for the actor's name and the character's name. I can't remember after life of me, but the main HR rep who yeah, kind of yeah. is one of the initial guys at first when things start going south, he's very much on the, you know, he's as John said, the bleeding people, heart yeah. side. He's like, no, we cannot kill. What are you guys saying? Like we have to kill people. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, he's got a gun in a hallway and he's mowing people down, including right. the person who shared a desk with him, who he's like best friend. It, it imposes that they're really close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, 
he's just like, boom. <laughs> that, that is one thing that I think this movie messes up with, right? Because you have those good scenes where you watch the coworkers sort of, uh, they go from being co- friendly coworkers, polite, you know, mm-hmm. you know corporate nonsense, uh, that's the same old thing. And then it just turns into a murder fest, right? I don't think they did enough of that. I don't think they had enough of like the employees turning on each other. It was a lot of like a, a small group of them turning on everybody else. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they had a lot of opportunity to have... Because they, they, they made it a point to show certain small relationships in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. And then they never kind of revisited that. For example... Um, a lot of people just die unceremoniously. Rusty Schwimmer plays this character, Peggy, and I, I can't find her uh, her deskmate. But this you know nerdy little guy who's funny, you can tell from the beginning they have this really good relationship. They're, you know They've been around each other for a while. And I was really looking forward to them revisiting oh, yeah. those two turning on each other. Because Peggy's like the total... You know, she's like the mom of the office. She's very sweet. And then the little nerdy kid's, you know, funny and everyone likes him. And I was really looking forward to that moment where they kind of had to, re- you know, I figured they'd be stuck alone somewhere and something exactly. would go off. And like she has to basically kill. Yeah. And he has to. So this is where the movie, I think, makes its first. One of the few big mistakes it's, it makes is partway in, the the characters, have the new challenge is they have to kill 30. If they kill 30, they're off the hook, right? If and they don't kill 30, so the close. people kill 60. Yeah, there's one left, and there's like two minutes left, and one of the girls is like about to kill the guy, right? And she doesn't, and then all of these people just get their heads exploded, right? Mm-hmm. I would have loved this movie so much more if she had killed the guy, and then they were like, okay, congratulations. However... You have to, you still have to like. I agree. I think it needed kind of that twist right there. Yeah, because that, then, I, because the problem is they killed thirty people at once, and mm-hmm. there weren't that many of them left. So like most of them die in the span of like thirty seconds. So all of the opportunity you have for all of these characters to start like turning on each other is gone. Yeah, and there's barely any of that left. And then they just start killing characters really quickly and randomly, like the guy with the Molotovs and the girl mm-hmm. in the elevator. It just happens suddenly and abrupt, and it just doesn't have that satisfying thing to it yeah. that I think. It was building up to. There was just no depth to it at that point. At that point, we're just like, oh, we're just watching people's head explode. There's no, it kind of, I feel like for starting at that moment when she doesn't kill the guy who, and it's worth noting that that guy at that moment totally deserved to be killed. Like it wasn't even like a, oh, she couldn't kill her friend. Right. Like she was, she should have killed this She dude. was justified. Yeah. But and it she was, didn't. But the movie was like, no, right and wrong and all this stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. I think that that still works because it's conflict within and you know, that's what the movie's trying to do. Yeah. But, but I agree. I, I think that they squandered the idea of like watching because they said it. They made it too much. Uh, they made the villains too villainous, mm-hmm. right? They made it so that Wendell and Barry and uh, the HR that? guy, that they, whole crew, they they made the HR guy wasn't evil. even in that crew. It was uh, it was Tyler, who's originally one of the friends who she should have killed but didn't. Right. Uh, Wendell, Barry, um, and then and the, then the HR rep. I don't think they ever say his no, name. It's not the HR rep. It's the bigger guy with the beard. Yeah, 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 different guy. Different yeah, guy. he's a different one. I think there's one more too. And there's like five dudes who are kind of in charge of this kill squad. They break into the armory. They get the guns. Like it's a whole big process. And she should have killed him. But like you said, I, I think from that moment on, we miss a lot of um, a lot of like subtext that was that was kind of suggested we were gonna get. Mm-hmm. And for a few minutes after that, it's just kind of weird killing. It's just yeah, it just becomes a good versus evil cut thing. scenes of just head exploding, and then it gets back to the plot. And I don't, I don't even, I didn't even have a problem with how it completely ended i liked the whole like oh this was just stage two this was inevitable yeah there was no avoiding this and i liked that he outsmarted the guy the the like who cares villain 
when when he found a way to just kill them all at yeah. once, I was like, good. <laughs> that that to me was so satisfying, mm-hmm. and uh, because he just fully went for it, he was like, it, when your when your sense of right and wrong is gone, that's what you become, and like the way that they set it up for another movie is great. But I think that this movie falls into Purge territory. So mm. Purge is another movie with a great concept that just makes that one fatal mistake that keeps it away from being as good as, say, Cabin in the Woods. Mm. Uh, it doesn't even touch Cabin in the Woods. But no. It, it, that's that's kind of where this one lies for me. Still really good. It's just, yeah, it peaks. It peaks early. Yeah. And that's, a lot like Life, the movie. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's kind of, the pacing was so good, but because they started, you know, the the big intense stuff soon, I feel like they they didn't do a good job of recovering from that. Right. They, they start, needed you know, a moment where everybody would start killing each other because that was the only way they were going to top the scene before where they they're like mowing people down. Yeah, I mean, they have these people lined up in the main corridor and they're yeah. shooting people in the head, and you're like, okay, great this, scene. It's about but to it's go not off. The climax. The climax has to be two white dudes using office supplies to kill each other. Yeah. And at that point it's, I, I'm way less invested. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I was after that scene happened, after we see Mitch kind of end Barry, I realized like, wow, that like, that didn't matter to me very much. Yeah, exactly. And, and I was kind of bummed out by that because you could tell the movie was kind of leading there. You know, Mitch was kind of leading the, the softcore people and, and Barry was kind of leading the, the kill squad. It's a literal battle between good and evil. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course, you know, good wins and all that kind of stuff. But I was so unsatisfied with that. And I felt like that happened a couple of times where they would lead to these big moments and they would like make you feel like, Oh, this is going to be what it. you expect to happen happens. Yeah. In a, in a very kind of like let down way. Yeah. It, it ran out of surprises and that it, it kind of hurt it overall uh, in, in the long run. But Again, though, still had a really good time watching it. I, I still recommend it as a solid rental. I think watching this at home with a bunch of friends, it's a it's a shocky B movie. And it, the thing that was refreshing to me is we don't get a lot of these anymore. We don't yeah. get these movies where it was kind of refreshing. Yeah, because our whole thing was like, let's get a couple of friends together, let's go, let's go watch this in the theater, let's have a good time, eat some eat some junk food, and just sort of. I don't, I don't like the idea of like turning your brain off because this is not one of those movies. This isn't dumb. Mm-mm. It's just. A couple of key decisions were made, kind of made it lacking, and that's too bad. But everything else was really fun, and, and it's not like a smart movie or anything. It's not like doing anything that's going to blow your mind. It's not like this brand literally. new concept or anything like that, but it's it's definitely entertaining. No, but it makes you think and in a very superficial way. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's what I expect from movies. I don't expect movies to be super deep all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that you, the more movies you watch, the more you start to see a lot of them are basically stupid, but... You know, when you get that movie once in a while that tries to do something, have a little bit more depth to it, and I think any movie that's willing to confront like the hypocrite of the hypocritical nature of the human condition, yeah. uh, I'm totally for that. And it may seem kind of stupid on the surface because it's happening through hardcore violence, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? So, I think I think a B B minus makes perfect sense for me. A B is just right, uh, and. We don't disagree too much, I don't think. No, I mean, we both agree, you know, John, if you guys have been listening to the podcast even a little bit, you know, John likes to pick things apart a little bit, but it's a good movie. And yeah, that's just, that's the cinemaholic way, I guess. The the cinemaholic way is to make people angry with harsh opinions. Yes, of course. Um, But again, the movie was good. I like, 
I would never tell someone not to see it. I would never say, oh, it's a waste of your time. Like, don't, you know, don't go see this. It was fun. The I thought the gore and, like, the actual killing scenes when they did happen that weren't just the things exploding were really well done. I loved Leandra's kind of climax moment where she got to kill her, you know, her enemy. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was done well. Um, <laughs> my wife said it was kind of funny. She has this moment where she's, you know, kind of beating this dude's head in with an axe. And she said it reminded her a lot of uh, when Michael Scott blows up Toby's head in the office and it kind of <laughs> yeah. just keeps going it back to the head for like yeah, five yeah. minutes. But it wasn't poorly done. It was it was really, really fun. Still, if they had just cut to Toby's head exploding in this movie, I would have been fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I would have even thought about it. I would have been nodding. Yeah, sure. that makes sense. Of course. Yeah. Okay, so that about does it for our conversation about the Belko Experiment, but we want to know what you guys think of Belko Experiment, especially you, Alex. Um, so don't forget to email us, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for hanging out with us, hanging out with us for a bonus episode. This was a ton of fun. I hope we can do more of these in the future. And we will see you for the main show coming this Monday. Yeah. And that's going to be good. We're going to be talking about Ghost in the Shell, which we are seeing in like an hour. Yeah, we're about to go watch it. So you get to uh, you know the future. We don't. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Also, if you do email the Cinemaholics thing for the you know just for bringing it back in tell john your favorite pop tart flavor while you're over there oh wow that's a good idea yeah um, we're not going to do anything with that information but it's just <laughs> i don't like, think we're ever going to repeat it to anybody yeah. but i'll know john just wants to know yeah <laughs> i just want to go shopping so he can like, snapchat for us mm-hmm. all of our followers all right uh, don't forget you can get all these episodes of cinemaholics podcast on itunes youtube and more and uh don't forget to subscribe give us a review if you like us hang out with us on facebook and twitter you know you know the deal all the links are in the episode description give us some love huh i said give us some love give us some stars that's what i say uh see you guys next week from the internet california i am john agroni from the broadband basement i am sound master maverick hines see you next time later